You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 54. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hi, thanks for listening. This is Ed K. Smith with my co-host, Brendan Tully here from The Business Marketing Show. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We are going to be talking today about online marketing strategies for hotels, hospitality, and tourism businesses. So we've got a lot to cover in on that subject. And uh, I think for those who are in that sort of organization, this will be of much benefit to them. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. Brendan, how are you today, mate? I'm good, Ed. How's it going? Fantastic. Having a good day. Having a wonderful day. Well, that's good. Yes, it is. Very serious introduction today, Ed. Very, I'm a very serious man at times, Brendan. You are. You, you, are sh- you, sh- you should know this. Uh, so, mate, this is a subject uh, near and dear to your heart. You've written several <laughs> blog posts about this in the past. <laughs> I think you say that pretty regularly. I have a lot of subjects <laughs> near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Well, so do I. Look, we're very passionate, very passionate people, and we do like a lot of different things, especially <laughs> under the umbrella of uh, online marketing or web marketing or whatever you want to call it. On the internet. Yes, indeed. The interwebs. Yes. Yep. Yep, I yep. want to be number one on the interwebs, Brendan. Yep. The, the number one. <laughs> so this is a fairly niche subject, but typically, I mean, you could replace hotels, tourism, um, uh, you know, hospitality with other things because a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about applies to different industries as well. But this is a very specific topic for those who are in that marketplace. Yeah. So... Yep. Uh, why is it important, do you think, that they listen to this sort of stuff? What, what what changes have happened over the years that they need to pay much more attention to this? Well, I guess, well, we have a lot of clients in this space, so um, a little bit different to your typical small business. Um, uh, and some of them aren't small businesses like hotels, you know, Hotels can be very big business, but generally the strategy is is the same for most of them that we apply across the board. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly in the last five years with the rise of the smartphone, everyone has internet in their pocket. You know, the, the way people book travel, the way people just generally travel um, and have adventures and go to restaurants and cafes is very different now. Um, self-service is a big thing. The, the sharing economy is a big thing. Like mm. Things like the rise of Airbnb have had a big impact on the way on online behaviors and the way people book travel. Um, I guess people are, are doing it themselves versus uh, um, going through a travel agent. And people are much more, I guess people do all their planning online now. Whereas you know, five years ago, people would buy a Lonely Planet book if they were going traveling. But I don't, I'm not sure if Lonely Planet even make their books anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. I mean, it's look, it is one of those. I totally agree. I mean, you, you would think, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned in the podcast in the past, probably, but but you know that my wife and daughter and I we went on a big world trip for about a year. This mm-hmm. is back in um, during two thousand and eight, and that was like the iPhone had only just come out, and I didn't even have an iPhone. Uh, internet connections around the world were sporadic at best. You know, you could get the occasional half 
decent Wi-Fi connection at the occasional uh, restaurant or cafe. Um, but we we would be planning our trip two weeks at a time on the move. And one of the things we'd always be searching for in the hotel or apartment that we were going to be staying at is that it had to have Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. You know? But they, were, they weren't as common as they are today. And we certainly didn't have Airbnb and yep. didn't have the mobile capacity. I mean, I had a Nokia N95, I think it was what it was called then, had sort of sparse type mobile capacity, but not you know, nothing like what you have on an iPhone or an Android phone these days. Mm-hmm. So, and and Google did just announce the other week that it's it's official from them that more than fifty percent of searches are now being done on smartphones. So wow. you you got to pay attention to when Google says that that that's yeah. how it is. You know, that, so yeah, yeah. I think it more so now today. If you don't have the your online assets dialed in and online marketing dialed in, then you're going to find it very hard to compete and. Um, I think two problems in the marketplace that um, some of the bigger, so for example, like Agoda, for example, are very sharp and they're all over online marketing. And if you, if you have, you know, if you're a small boutique hotel, you're on, you're a small accommodation provider, or, um, that type of business, and you're not really tuned into this, or your online marketing strategy isn't tuned in. It's quite likely a go is going to outrank you in Google. Is going to be getting a lot of traffic that otherwise your website would be getting, yeah. and you end up getting end up paying a lot of uh, commission, booking fees, or whatever to them. Um, you know they're going to be taking a clip on the way through, and that can become very expensive over time. Um, whereas if you've got your own stuff dialed in and your website's working well and, and all that sort of thing, then you know those you know, you're not paying a huge chunk of your revenue to those. Third parties, booking agents, those you know, big aggregator sites. So, I think this sort of stuff is non-optional, and I still see, particularly even well, actually, big hotels and um, still do it badly, um, and you know, they still really aren't that good at online marketing. Well, so we see. Talk, I'm talking to people several times a week about this stuff, and just common sense things that you know, I. Many people will take for granted they're just not doing. So, I guess yeah. I I don't think there is any common sense with the stuff we talk about <laughs> because because I don't seem to find very many people doing it at all, and that may offend some people. And and <laughs> well, that's just tough, really. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you don't know what you don't know, so it, yep. they they could be going through thinking they're doing all the right things, but a lot of the things they're actually going to be doing are harming them rather yep. than helping them compete against the agodas of the world. So yep. so what is it that we need, we, everybody who's in that space, <laughs> need to be focusing on in terms of uh, getting getting good traction for their right. well, search let's, marketing? Let's break this down a bit. And, I mean, it's easier for us to stand back and say you should be doing all these things, but to a certain degree, even I know both of us had this conversation before that, to a degree, you're blind to your own stuff. It's very, I know for me, it's very hard for me to work on our on our website, but oh, it's yeah. so much easier for me to look at someone else's website and say, oh, here's definitely. five things that would immediately fix the side, double bookings, double sales, or, or whatever it is. So yeah. I guess it's these stuff, These, I mean, we're going to go through a list of things here. It's easy for us to run through these and say, you know, just do it. But yeah. some of these things are, so, yeah. Pretty substantial projects yeah. will you know take a lot of time and are sometimes hard to, to wrap your head around. 
So um, we do have yeah. empathy, Brendan. We're not just completely <laughs> asshole like, are we? I mean, standing on the soapbox and just ranting. Yeah, yeah. No, we we do we do go through the same pain. People think because we're in this space that we're impervious to all the issues that that everyone else is dealing with. We have the same things, and we have the same. Yeah. You know, problems with our websites, as you said, trying to work out content and what it looks like and, oh, agonizing over stuff. We're just the same. But yep. Yeah. So, But we're going to tell you guys what to do and you must do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. This is the pot <laughs> calling the kettle blank. So, uh, all, right. all right. Step one. Step one. High quality photography oh. taken by a professional. That subject again. We do go yeah. on about this a lot. We do. We do. We very, do. very, very good reason. Yeah. I mean, particularly accommodation you know the first thing i do is look at the photos um so yeah and there's a lot you know our episode with matt from photography project there's so much that goes into a photo you can't just rip out your iphone and take a snap it's not just about the technical resolution of the photo it's about the framing the lighting you know the the what's in the photo what's not in the photo there's there's so much that goes into a good photo that and a photo that generates that really strong emotional response um that I I don't think you can particularly it's so important especially in the accommodation space I don't think you should ever be DIYing your own photography um at all in you know tourism accommodation hospitality because it's just no. it's such an important factor right that if you screw it up the tiniest detail that you don't see could make or break a photo right Def- definitely and really you want someone who has the skill of making a one bedroom apartment look massive yeah <laughs> So, which is often one of the things you do get uh, when you see pictures online. You go, "Wow, that's huge!" And then you actually get to it, and you go, "Oh, not as yeah. big." So, I think uh, it's also it's a fine line to walk as well. I think that, and you see this online. I see it particularly real estate, um, real estate agents, and in the real estate industry, they. I think it, you need to be careful not to go overboard with the photos. They need to really reflect reality. They need to look good, but they need to reflect reality. You shouldn't De- be overselling. Yeah. If you set the expectation sky high in reality, you know, you're setting it at a five-star expectation in reality. It's a three-star property. Then you might get the booking, but long-term, that's probably not the best business strategy because you're going to have a lot of unhappy people. So I think it's important that the photos reflect reality and don't, aren't – Sure, they need to look good and sell the property, but I don't think they should ever oversell to the point where you're selling something that you don't actually have. I don't know what your thoughts are. but that's Look, I completely agree. And people say that when I go to meet someone for the first time, they say, gee, you don't look anywhere as good in, <laughs> in real life as you do in your photo. And I, so maybe I might have to get a more realistic photo that represents how ugly I am. So, but I'm, I'm <laughs> talking yourself up, mate. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. And look, I, I remember when I sold a house and we had professional photographers come in. They All they did was real estate photos. And yeah. after I saw the photos, I thought, shit, I don't want to sell this house. It looks too good. <laughs> it's actually twice as big as what I actually think it is. So, But, you, yeah, true. That can sort of uh, fall flat uh, if you if you keep doing that and presenting something and giving a, an illusion. So, yeah, yeah, I think realistic but high quality is what we're getting at. Yeah, I think so. And photography, you know, at the end of the day, is pretty cheap because you can use it for a long time. Might have a big upfront cost, but you get years of life out of those photos. So yeah, too true. Yeah. So photography. Uh, yep. Also, also, I mean, on the same subject, it would be video. Um, yep. 
you know, nothing like having a, a high, good quality sort of walk around video of a property. Yeah, um, I, I really like those when you go and you find it because you're not just seeing. You do get a, a much clearer picture of what the property's like. So, yeah, and I think the video is good because you can have two properties, two hotels that the front. I mean, the rooms look the same. You know, you know, for the most part, four and a half, five star hotels. The rooms are going to be yeah pretty much pretty similar in terms of the features and whatever else. But then the property is going to be very different. You've got one that might be in the mountains and one in the beach, and I think good. You know, good quality video enables you to show or showcase the property itself, right? Yeah, true, true. So they they go hand in hand. So um, <laughs> so we can give links to those past episodes again for yeah. the video and uh, photography ones. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. I think. Yeah. So next, next we got online booking capability. Yes, which like, seems really obvious, doesn't it? I mean, oh, the, uh, I still like on a weekly basis. I have inquiries hitting my inbox, people wanting help with their business, and there's no capability to be able to book online. Like true, talking about true, like put your credit card in, the booking is confirmed. Booking capability, not just a form that says it's online booking; it's really sending an email. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why people are blind to this, but I see it all the time, right? Like mm. customers expect, I expect to be able to open up Google, search for property, be able to reserve it online. And I, you know, that's the world we live in and that's how it works. Like I don't, there's no argument about that. That's just it, right? Absolutely. And if you don't have it, you're getting creamed by your competition because they do. Yep. So who's, you know, you're going to download a form and fill in a form and scan it and email it back. Who's, no one's <laughs> going to do that. And yeah. I see that. I've, I, I was on a website the other week that was an uh, accommodation site, and that's what I would have had to have done. I'm going, seriously, what century are you living in? Yeah. Uh, people, that's you've lost people. Unless you're dealing with some, uh, I don't know, people who are scared of putting in credit card details or something, which is, you know, there's still those people around, but that's a poor reason compared to the high percentage that aren't. So, yeah. And- yeah, I think... Um- there's no excuse for it today in today's day and age, and I'm not not really not just talking about um, you know, accommodation and hotels and and whatever. I mean, even like general like tourist experiences or adventures or whatever. Yeah. The ability to to be able to someone to be able to book online, put a credit card in, or check out with PayPal or whatever. That's immediately going to increase your bookings by you know twenty or thirty percent because people want to do that. Yeah, so yeah. that's just their behavior. And there's a lot of like cheap tools like in the accommodation space, something like Little Hotelier um, is a good one, you know, for a small accommodation provider. I, I think the starting price is like 20 or 30 bucks a month. And then more general, you and know. That's, an, a, that's a booking platform. That's is a that booking right? platform. That plugs into your site. Okay, yep. It plugs into your site. And then a more general one might be, I think it, how you pronounce it is ResDy, R-E-Z-D-Y. We have quite a few clients using that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and all these tools, they, they're, they're SaaS platforms, so they're cloud-based software platforms, and they start really cheap. Like the the entry point is twenty or thirty bucks a month, and if you can't afford to, if, if that's a problem, you know, a price problem, then you've got bigger problems. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and we've talked about in other episodes. It's so easy to take credit cards online today. PayPal and Stripe, mm. uh, Stripe.com. There's really no excuse not to be taking payments online. So, yeah. and the, you know, if you don't have online booking today, you're already getting traffic. There's two parts to six, you know online success: getting traffic to the website and then getting them to call a book or whatever. Convert. And it's immediate. You know, like we just said, twenty or thirty percent immediate win, if not more. 
Yeah, definitely. Look, we're doing a new site for a client at the moment who's in the car rental space in the northern part of Australia, and they didn't have a proper online booking system. And they've got 60 vehicles, and they've had no way of people to book them online. It all had to be done over the phone. Mm-hmm. So we're implementing a, a, a booking platform for them to do that and to use Stripe and PayPal combination. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's going to make a big difference because that will free up manpower and having to process, you know, deal with phone calls and do it all manually. So yeah, you've, yep. you've got to be doing it. Yeah, and you've got to remember as well, like these type of businesses are 24-hour businesses. There's people who are overseas in a different time zone looking at, you know, to book something or accommodation yeah. or ventures or whatever they're, they're looking to do and they're on the site at 3 a.m. in the morning and want to hit – they're ready to buy. They, you know, they don't want to sit there and wait till you know, someone's there to answer the phone. So. Too true. Take, mm. take the money when you can. Yep, yep. All righty. So definitely that's a, yeah, a, a no-brainer must-have is online booking capability. Yep. Um, so we've got next, mate. We've got next one we've got is reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really two parts of this, getting some reviews and you know, just getting them, uh, you know, whatever way you get them. And then the second part is having a review, an automated process that runs in the background that gets reviews for you on an ongoing regular basis, something that you don't need to interact with in order to ask for those reviews. Um, yeah. So again, you know, no brainers, right? Yeah, no, no brainers. And I can hear people thinking, okay, and this this comes up a lot in conversation that I have with clients. How do you deal with negative reviews? So yeah. it's great that we're all going to get good reviews, but what is the process? Because really, I mean, a review isn't a review unless everyone's getting their their say as to what they thought of the whatever the service was. Yeah. So you got to take the good, the bad, and the ugly, don't you? So how, mm-hmm. how does it typically work with the review process and platform? Well, I think we talked about this sort of concept in, I think we talked about in the backups episode and some of the episodes about technology. I think for the first step is you've got to accept that bad reviews are going to happen. Like that's just a part of doing business. You're going to have unhappy customers from time to time. Even the best business is going to have someone who doesn't have their expectation met fully. Yeah. So... I think it's important to accept that. The second part is I think it's important not to oversell like we've just talked about with the photos because if you set a, the sky-high expectation and what you actually deliver is middle of the road, then there's a mismatch there and you know, you're actually creating this scope for people to be unhappy. Um, you know, you're creating this environment where their expectations are not going to be met by default. So I think that's important too is not to oversell and be realistic about what you do and what you offer. Yep. Um, Having a strategy in place to monitor the reviews is important because, you know, if we take the stance that we're going to get negative negative reviews, then we need to be aware of when they happen and take action. Uh, We get this quite regularly. Get a new client who's in this space, Google their business name, and sure, the website comes up number one or whatever. Then there's maybe TripAdvisor or something like that. But then maybe position four or five on the page, there's some website or it might even be TripAdvisor that has a negative review that has one star showing up in the Google search results. So I think having something in place to monitor those reviews is important and getting in front of them when they do happen. Um, And then having the strategy in place, some sort of automated system uh, in place to get the positive reviews on an ongoing basis. Now, the best tool that... um, 
we use uh, several different tools for reviews and review management for clients and probably the best starting point is a tool called Get Five Stars. I think it's getfivestars.com, I think is the web address. We'll have it in the show notes. Cool. But uh, so it replicates the manual process that we try and get clients to do or once upon a time had clients do now. It's just easier to get it done with software. So generally the process works like this. Someone buys something, they stay with you, they have whatever experience it is. And then you know that ends, that finishes, they leave or they check out, whatever it is. Uh, several days later, an automated system sends that customer an email asking them for feedback. So we, you know, similar thing happens with our e-commerce clients. Order ships and then you ask them for feedback. So it's just a friendly email as if you were writing that email directly to them. Nothing fancy about it. It's personalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written in a friendly tone. Hey, you stayed with us. You know, you, you were visited us or whatever. Quick email just to see how your experience was. Love some feedback. Blah blah blah. The customer may or may not give that feedback, and then there is a system in place that if the feedback is good or positive, then you can automate it or you can manually do it. Ask them kindly to put a review on where, wherever you want the review. So that might be TripAdvisor, it might be Google Maps, it might be on the Facebook page. So then they may or may or may not do that. Um, so that's generally the system we use with clients and the clients who have uh, successful or have uh, a lot of reviews online and generally positive sentiment, that's the process they use. I mean, there's going to be variations, but that's generally how it works and that Get 5 Stars product mimics that. So Yeah, cool. It's a good. I'm looking at the website now. It's a good website and it's a WordPress website, interestingly enough. A good, yep. a good example of how to do a nice WordPress website as well. So, yep. um, yeah, that's cool. Very good platform. And look, isn't it amazing? We've had this conversation many times on different episodes about the uh, software as a service or cloud services, whatever you want to call it, that are there today that you can use for minimal cost. You know, when you're talking 20 to $50 a month, mm-hmm. compa- imagine trying to have that customized and, and set up just for your own platform, it, tens yeah. of thousands of dollars in programming and setup fees. But even like you think that, I think the, the starting price for Get Five Stars is twenty nine bucks a month US. Now, okay, that's, that's you know thirty bucks or whatever. And some people would be like, oh, I don't really want to spend it. But if you think, what does a one or two hours of staff time cost? You know, yeah, your staff are costing you twenty or thirty bucks an hour. So even if you have them deal with or send out or deal with email, ask for feedback for one hour, you're already kind of in the red um, versus you know paying the 30 bucks a month and having a piece of software do that, that same task. Too true, mate. Yeah, too true. So that's great. That's a very good tip. Um, yep. Gold nuggets coming out today, Brendan. Gold nuggets. I know, I know, Ed. I mean, those, are the, those three things alone could, you know, double the bookings or, you know, double, you know, Increase a business by 100%, basically. Like, it's pretty simple. Yeah. High quality photos, the ability to book and pay online, and having good quality reviews about the business around the web. I mean, if you just did that alone, you'd be set, right? And yeah. that, yeah. I mean, those three things could be easily a six month project to get implemented for um, a small business, right? So, oh, off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Why would you want to when these things are already set up? Be crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy. Yeah. Okay, um, so we, the the next subject we're going to discuss is uh, companies like Airbnb. So, yeah, well, I guess there's probably 
uh, I guess this is really more around being where your customers are, right? Mm-hmm. So probably the two big sites right now where people are looking at travel and hospitality-related things would be Airbnb for accommodation and then just TripAdvisor in general as a, a general travel site. So um, I think having a presence a well-managed presence on both of those can be very beneficial. It's not for every business, but I think uh, it's definitely worth checking out and at least testing. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because again, well, we've said before, go where the eyeballs are. Uh, yeah. And if, if people are using those sorts of platforms to to find accommodation, then you've got to be on them. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I use TripAdvisor regularly i have done for eight years or so or however long it's been around for yep. uh, and probably would find i don't necessarily use it to book through uh trip advisor i might i may go externally uh but i i do use it definitely to look at the reviews and and get the yep. feedback on the accommodation before i decide to to use it soon yeah yeah i think probably i mean it goes without saying that you should be on google maps apple maps bing maps um, and the location should be <laughs> the location marker should actually be where you are. Yeah, that helps. Um, That's handy. <laughs> Not in the middle of a lake somewhere, or you know, yeah. on the, in a freeway, <laughs> which yeah, I've I seen. Think, yeah, yeah. Important to say that we assume that everyone's doing that, but I think it's important to say that. Probably another uh, site that is worth being on, particularly. Um, I use Foursquare a lot when I travel. Um, mm-hmm. So F O U R Square Foursquare, um, and I find that particularly good in Asia where. Uh, Google Maps isn't very accurate. Um, the streets have a weird naming convention or it might be a country that has, mm. is new to street names or whatever. Um, and Foursquare is good because it has a lot of reviews. People actually review various elements and it's not just a general review about the business. So particularly when you're looking for someone to eat, that's awesome. Um, and also because it's a location-based app, generally the locations are actually where the business is so that location is very accurate whereas so if i'm looking for something it's on google maps and i'm not going to trust it um or i don't feel like i can trust that the location is right often i'll load it up in foursquare and the location will be correct and it will be completely different to google maps oh geez i can i can say i've honestly never used foursquare i think i've looked at it once but i've never actually used it i don't even think i've got the app on my phone yeah um, i really love foursquare for it's I guess the term is local discovery. If I'm in a new city, maybe I'm traveling somewhere or at a conference, so I'm there for a few days, and don't really, or I might not might not have a lot of time to explore. Foursquare has this option. It it will find places nearby, so I can go show me what's nearby, show me breakfast places nearby, dinner places nearby, places oh, yeah. to go for drinks, and it has. Uh, the, has a, there's a lot of reviews on most properties, so it's, it has a small user base, but it's a very active user base. Yeah. I would uh, class, classify it as social filtering. Social filtering? I've never mm. heard that before. Well, That's I good. just made it up. I mean, oh, <laughs> it, it may actually exist, but in my mind, you're filtering all the crap from the bad using yep. social media. So to me, it makes good sense. I'm going to have to go check if that domain name is available. Socialfiltering.com. <laughs> I bet it is. You better buy it. Before it'll, it'll be taken. It'll, it'll be taken. I guarantee you. So uh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Try Foursquare. You should try Foursquare, Ed. 
because if Brendan says so, it must be. So. It's just good. It's a good way to find unique places when you're traveling. So yeah, absolutely, sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, I use all the others, so why not that one? I use Yelp yeah. a little bit. Yelp's okay um, for restaurants mainly. I, I use that for, but I will give Foursquare a go next time I'm on the go. So, all those things are wonderful and all those tools are wonderful, but but if you don't have a strategy behind getting all of those things set up and implemented, then it could all be a bit of a uh, hassle or a, a you know mess trying to get sorted. So, really, you need to get your, your strategy working and your mindset. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess those things we've run through are more tactics-based, right? Yeah. Um, tactical things that you could put on a project list and get them knocked out one by one. Um, so I guess probably, yeah, from a strategy perspective, having the right mindset that we've talked about this before, that the world has changed. So people do business online. So uh, you need to shift your strategy and mindset around that, that the web is here to stay and it's going to need constant attention. You. It's a, I guess it's a part of the business that needs regular love, right? Like it needs attention, a decent amount of attention, a decent amount of attention every week versus you know think about it once every six months. Definitely, yeah. And if if you're not, then you know things fall by the wayside and uh, you don't get the traction. So yeah, I think that's a, quite often the problem. There's so many things to focus on. People don't focus on anything. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I think you, it's a case of having each of the the items we've talked about put in a plan so that you can act, you know, deal with them or a staff member can deal with them on a set regular basis. So it's just yeah. part of your day. It's like waking up and brushing your teeth or having a shower or whatever. I know some people that don't do either of those, but uh, that's, a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, so, they don't wake up or they don't have a shower? Well, shower or brush their teeth, you know. There's some, some really horrible, disgusting people out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, the other thing in this space Things change, technology changes very quickly and things in this particular space um, can change very rapidly and when new platforms like Airbnb come out, there can be a real first mover advantage to be on them um, and it can give you real, like very powerful leverage over your competitors. So I think being current and up to date with the technology and marketing tools and even the offline marketing outlets and publications that are relevant to your industry is important because opportunities, particularly when these things are new, the opportunities are easy to grab. They're often very cheap and there's you know very distinct first mover advantage. So I think once you've got like the essentials, like we've talked about, like the photography and stuff dialed in, then some of these things like being you know, one of the first properties on Airbnb is a very powerful thing. So um, I think staying up to date with your market is very important, particularly in this niche or industry or, or whatever you want to call it. Too true. Too true. Um, and content is another area of strategy. You've got to consistently have things like fresh photos or up-to-date photos or testimonials or etc. added to your website and to your other social media platforms. So... So what are the main areas of content you think are critical that people tend not to get right? I think um, it's probably wise to step back and understand how your customers are looking for you and booking online, right? Mm. So people are going to have questions before they book. Um, so go on and we've, we've talked about this concept before, basically taking the first step of the, the offline sales experience and taking that online. So, you know, for hotels and accommodation, that 
can generally be pretty, pretty straightforward. But I think when it's more of an experience or a cafe or something like that, um, you know, the decision is made a lot more based on emotion and feeling than logic. Where, you know, accommodation is booking is probably a bit more logic based. It's a nice hotel. It's a good price and a good location. I like the photos. Let's book it. Whereas something that's more of an experience or a place to eat is more of an emotional thing, right? Yes. So I think that it's important to be clear about how people book, the reasons why they book, what they need to know before they book or, or visit you or whatever it is. So, you know, having the boxes checked, photos, testimonials, location map is a big one, how to find us. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people do poorly explaining the experience in detail, having, you know, frequently asked questions. And then uh, on the social platforms, having regular updates and activity um, happening on places like Facebook and Instagram where people are going to be hanging out or where, wherever your customers hang out, um, mm. I think are important too, right? Absolutely, definitely. Uh, and also, um, I think things like, you know, we've had this... <laughs> This conversation about Snapchat before, um, <laughs> and, ha- and ha- how do people implement Snapchat in their marketing, and what sort of leverage does it have? And we're still trying to piece that together, and sort of looking at what's going on. But I think Snapchat used by people who are your customers, um, that some somehow if you could get your customers using tools like that and posting, you know, quick videos of where they are and where they're staying, I think. There's definitely some leverage in that. I'm not quite sure about as a business using it to do things, but yes, you've got to consider everything, don't you? You can't dismiss. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of what I classify as unicorns out there in terms of products <laughs> that come out, and they're all, you know, they're going to be the greatest thing ever. And there are more unicorns than there are Airbnbs and, um, mm-hmm. you know, WhatsApp programs or Snapchat, whatever. So you don't know how successful these platforms or apps are going to be, how long they're going to be around for, I don't think you should dismiss them. But you certainly can't jump on top of every single new app or platform that comes out. Otherwise, you would be spending $20,000 a month on them and you'd have have to have a, a whole stack of staff just to deal with those platforms. So I think you've got to pick your platform or your app carefully in terms yep. of what you're going to use and have some sort of history and see that other people have had success with it and it has you know been around for a little while it doesn't have to you know you don't have to be cutting cutting edge to get on top of these things but yeah i think that i mean more broadly it's probably being aware again coming back to who are your customers where are they online what's that, their behavior yeah. if you know that's it yeah so too true yeah, I mean, if the customers aren't on Instagram, then having a strong presence on Instagram is going to be a waste of time. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Okay. Oh, now I know we've said this before. We've said <laughs> we've said this before about seventy times on this episode. I know, we do that a lot, because, right? Yeah, because we've done a lot of episodes. You know, this is our fifty-second or third or fourth, fifty-fourth maybe episode. So we've we've covered a lot of things, and we do repeat ourselves because some of the things we. Even if we repeated them 20 times per episode, it's somehow people often don't listen to them So uh, and, and don't take it in. So we'll keep hammering on the, the important points. And this, I know, is one of so your favourite. It's our favorite topic. It's my favourite Yeah, Brendan takes this one to bed every night and cuddles it. This is his favourite <sighs> yeah. one. High I journal about it thing. every day, Ed. He does, and he talks to me about it every day, and he just, you know. I love so, talking about hosting. hosting. Website yeah. hosting. It, you know. Hosting. Definitely geeky. 
And def- definitely underestimated Putting on the, how important the nerd hat on on this one. Put the nerd hat on, Brendan. Yeah. But it is it, the thing is it underpins everything that we're talking about. And if you if you don't have high quality hosting and if reliable hosting, hosting that's backed up, uh, all the things that you're doing potentially are going to fall flat in their face. So yeah, take it away. I mean, here's the thing. All right, so this is a market that really is. Uh, for most businesses, is a global marketplace. So there is going to be a, quite a chunk of the visitors hitting a website that are from overseas or interstate. So what that means is there's even more reliance on the hosting or it's getting it's, uh, it's having an, an even bigger impact on the visitor experience. So if you've got crappy web hosting and someone's on the other side of the world trying to load up your website and the website hosting sucks and it's a slow experience, then they're probably not going to book with you. Um, and really, you know, like we just said, it's you know, you're running a 24/7 business now. People are looking for you 24/7. So, um, yeah, high performance, high quality, high uptime hosting. I think in this space is an absolute must. And also because you know, people are on their smartphones as well. Uh, the experience on smartphones needs to be good because often um, the the quality of a smartphone internet connection can be pretty rubbish. So needs to load uh, quickly. Yep. Yeah, so it does need to load quickly. Yeah. So. Look, you know, most people don't quite understand to, to most people out there in the street, hosting is hosting is hosting, right? So they don't know all the different uh, technologies that are involved with hosting and how I mean hosting has actually come quite a quite a long way over the last few years in my opinion, whether you agree with that or not. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a lot more options with what you can do. Yeah. And particularly with what we classify as content delivery networks. So um a lot of people, if they're, you know, if they're running a business in Australia, as an example, and they have a lot of overseas clients, what you were saying before is so true because the client could be in Germany or the UK or US. And if your website is only hosted on a, on a system that resides within Australia, then that information, even though it's traveling at the speed of light <laughs> or whatever <laughs> speed it's traveling at pretty damn quick, has to move from the hosting computer computer or server that is in Australia to that person wherever they reside in in the world. So that takes time and that those extra few seconds can make all the difference in terms yep. of load time, how Google looks at the site in terms of its load time and the customer experience. So can you explain to me, because I don't know anything about this, <laughs> what a content delivery network is in terms of what are the benefits of making sure right. that is part of your strategy? So, at the most basic level, content delivery network is a network of servers around the world um, that host the content that makes up your website. Um, So, traditionally, a website is hosted on a server, a web server. So, that web server is in one place geographically. And when someone from Germany has to load something off, loads up your website, their connection needs to reach out to that server that might be sitting in Sydney, Australia, get the bits of the website and download it. So what the content delivery network does is distributes the content that makes up the website, the files, the images, the HTML, and puts it onto hundreds of servers around the world. So that person in Germany, when they load up your website, they'll be loading up. They won't necessarily have to grab all the elements from the server in Sydney, they might be able to get 70 or 80% of the elements off a server in Germany. So two wins there really. One is 
it makes their experience much faster and much better. Mm. The website feels faster and snappier because it's loading off a server in Germany for the most part. And the second benefit there is uh, not all the visitors are hitting your server in Sydney, so it actually goes faster, so it's got less load. So the load is distributed across hundreds of servers around the world. Um, so really two wins there, and it will speed up the website a lot. So um, traditionally, content delivery networks were the domain of big corporate companies who had massive amounts of money to spend. Now, C- oops, content delivery networks shortened to CDN. Um, now you can get a CDN very cheaply and with cloudflare.com even for free. Yeah, so, love cloudflare. Um, yeah, so using a tool like cloudflare, they have... Uh, points of presence around the world. So they have at least, they have points of presence in at least 50 different countries. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's always updating and being added to and it's a great yep. a great service considering you can get a fair chunk of it at no, no cost but the yep. premium stuff is even better. But Brendan, I can get uh, cheapshittyhosting.com for $5 <laughs> a month. Why, sure. why would I want to spend $500 or so on, on hosting with whoever that has all these things, when I can get shittyhosting.com for $5 a month. You're asking all my favorite questions, Ed. I know. So this is the thing, right? So most people are buying hosting, particularly the small business end, they're buying hosting based on price, not features. Um, And it's funny because you wouldn't buy other things based on price. You wouldn't go to the cheapest dentist or the cheapest doctor in town. That's not the first question you'd ask when booking a professional. So uh, there's a lot of elements to take into consideration with hosting, but the simple answer to your question is you get what you pay for. So the $5 a month hosting, the way those companies afford to deliver that service and make money off it is by stacking ten or 20,000 other websites on the same server. So the whole thing goes slow and it is quite unreliable. So mm. it probably has something like 98 or 99% uptime. Now, that seems like a lot, but 99% uptime means that the website is going to be down for three to four days a year. So yeah, um, on the surface, that uh, that sounds like not, you know, it's 99% sounds like a good number, but in reality, if your website was down for three days in a row, you'd uh, probably be pretty upset, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, and just and just at the time when some really wealthy billionaire person wanted to book out <laughs> your whole hotel for for the next month, but couldn't do it because your website was down. Just for that, you know, it was only fifteen minutes on that particular day that it was down, but it was down. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. saving like the the so the difference between high quality hosting and cheap hosting is not that much. It is. Uh, so our high performance hosting is um, five hundred and fifty dollars Australian per year or fifty five bucks a month now the difference between that and cheap hosting is probably three or four hundred bucks a year um, which is really nothing in the scheme of things considering that hosting is involved in every part of the online marketing process anytime a visitor hits the website that hosting is doing work um, and I'm sure that you're paying a lot more for you know you paying money for advertising, you're paying commission and booking fees and whatever else. So um, what you spend on making the hosting perform better, you will claim back in other ways, you know, 10 times over. Yeah. So. My analogy, simple as it may be, coming from my very simple mind, is <laughs> uh, you have a spectacular Ferrari on the outside and you lift the bonnet and you've got a little two-cylinder engine 
uh, r- driving the car, running the car. Uh, and that's really what a lot of people have. They've got these websites that look great. They spend all this money on marketing, and yet their engine, their hosting is pathetic, yep. uh, unreliable, going to break down, and certainly doesn't pull the chicks. So um, you, you've got to have something that's sexy but works. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, and the other thing that we didn't mention and I've had this experience myself and just recently, is that some of the other hosting platforms, quite often because they have all these other sites running off the same server, uh, malware and um, viruses are quite a problem. Yeah. And uh, you can get affected by that. And then you have downtime that's on top of the normal downtime of the the, you know, the hosting company doing its servicing or upgrades to servers or whatever so then you could potentially be down for days and then you have all sorts of on-flowing uh issues so yeah i mean the website is really the one of the primary money-making tools in a in a combination hospitality business so you know to be saving a few hundred bucks a a year is really false economy yeah massively massively so so that's that soapbox done (laughs) let's let's hop off the hosting soapbox and get on to our next soapbox um, all right, so the next one we have is traffic generation, getting people to the website. And we've got SEO and AdWords, so getting traffic from search. Uh, and let's talk about AdWords first, right? Because um, the the typical thing, people don't want to pay for AdWords because that's more money that they're spending. But here's the thing. If you're a small hotel or even a big hotel and you're listed on maybe booking.com or Agoda or a TripAdvisor or somewhere, I can almost guarantee you that a Goda, a Goda in particular is very good at this and very aggressive because they have a very good search strategy. They are running Google AdWords ads against your brand name or business name. So when oh, someone Googles your yeah. hotel name, a Goda is usually at the top of the list. So if someone clicks on that, goes to a Goda and books their accommodation there, a Goda have spent whatever, a dollar or two bucks a click with uh, Google on their AdWords ad, mm. and they're getting whatever decent size, 100, 200 bucks commission, booking fee, whatever, depending on their length of stay, obviously. But basically, they're paying to get the traffic um, to book at your place, and then you're paying them a fee to do that. So, yeah. who's the silly one in that scenario? Yeah. Yeah. Look, the only time you shouldn't be doing advertising is if you have been doing advertising. And you've done all the things you should do when you're doing your advertising and it's not returning an investment. Mm -hmm. At that point, if you've done all the right things, you've tested, you've measured, and you're still not making money on your pay-per-click advertising or AdWords or Facebook ads, then maybe you should consider doing something else and not doing that anymore. But when people say to me, it's too expensive to advertise, they haven't even actually done any advertising. They're just uh, coming up with this very subjective... Um, statement about what advertising is. But at the end of the day, if they're doing advertising and it's making them a return on their investment, then they want to do as much of it as they possibly can and mm-hmm. that their cash flow and budget will allow because otherwise they're being left in the dust by the agodas of the world and that will just continue to get harder and harder to catch up on. So yep. they can keep saying it until they're blue in the face, but soon they will be completely blue in the face and they'll be dead because their business won't exist anymore. Yeah. Harsh words, Brendan. I know. I know. It's the end of the world, Ed. Yeah. But no, but, <laughs> but seriously, like uh, at a minimum, you need to be running AdWords. In this space, you need to be running AdWords against your business name, your brand name, because 
someone else is already doing it. If you're on any aggregator site, if you're with any third-party kind of booking agent site, it's almost guaranteed that they're running ads against your business name. That's you know that's half of how their business model works. So absolutely, and I think I don't think a lot of people realise that it's completely. Uh, in the rights of that company to use your name as long as they're not using it in the ad copy itself they can use it as a keyword term that triggers the ad that's completely uh, in the terms of agreement with google and that's all fine yeah um, check with well your i think in, in a lot of cases i think agoda does use uh brand names and business names in their ads and it's probably in their terms and conditions that if you're uh, if you're using them as like a booking agent, um, it's probably in their terms and conditions. That that's yeah, yeah. yeah. In that scenario, for sure, absolutely. Yep. You've, you've, pro- you've so. probably said you, that they you give them permission to use it. So in yep. that scenario, definitely. But in in typical um, scenarios, if you're just like using your competitor's name, like say you're a hotel and you've got a competitor down the street, you can use the name of that competitor in your keyword terms, but not in your ad copy. So yeah, but you know. If your competitor is not doing it and they're not using yours, well, you're the smart one. So, uh, and they may get upset and they may try and stop you to do it, but uh, you certainly have the right to. Yep. Um, according to what Google is saying, double check all these things, of course. Don't take our word for it. <laughs> check on the rules and terms and conditions and legal things representing mm-hmm. your business in your current state or country. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my disclaimer. So, um, so definitely AdWords and. Uh, any other sort of PPC like Facebook advertising could be very effective if done yep. correctly. You certainly that's a um, a beast in itself, but a whole sort of separate ball game. Into it's definitely pay per click advertising, but it's not search. So we're sort of focusing on search at this moment in time. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean the brand name, and then you know obviously if you're a hotel in Sydney, advertising against the term Hotel Sydney is probably going to be worthwhile. So. Um, you know, that's the next level up. I think the brand name is a must do. Like, there's no, I wouldn't negotiate on that. Like, it's uh, mm. it's that important, I think. And the return's going to be huge. You might spend fifty bucks a month and get thousands and thousands of dollars of bookings out of it. So, okay, cool. So, <laughs> yeah, another the next one, as many of my clients call it, uh, SOE. Um, <laughs> I want. I've got to do some SOE, Ed. Uh, okay. Oh, you mean SEO? Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> Search engine optimization, which is a, yeah. mystic, a mystical unicorn in itself. It is very mystical. It's just <laughs> yeah. look, it's not like it's. Uh, there's a lot of agencies who've built a business out of making SEO mystical and and you know just completely this black box that nobody understands. But uh, let's talk about two things that are absolutely must have. It's pretty simple. Exactly the same as AdWords, you need to be in the number one spot for your business name, brand name hotel name whatever it is yep. uh you should be you know you should be in the number one spot so that is the hands down the most important term you need to rank for is your business name um so very important uh i don't think that that needs much more explanation than that um the only exception then- the only exception to that i would say and i have had this conversation with clients before and it's a rare exception but it is one just to, to watch out for is if you are already appearing for num- number one on uh, organic search in Google and there are no other people advertising on your name, so there's no other ads running against your name, then you probably don't need to because then you're just probably going to be spending money on ads that you don't need to because you're already number one. But that's probably the, the only exception that I can think of. Yeah. And I, I like to be honest, I think for the majority of 
search terms. People are typing weird and wonderful things in. So Aren't I think it just? would be a rarity yes. that uh, uh, you know your ad is appearing or you'll you'll appear in the search results without ads, even if people are typing in your brand name because they'll add like. Yeah. something Hotel Sydney and then yeah, other and then Hotel Sydneys will it. appear. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it is a rarity. So you probably just blanket, just do it and forget what I said. Suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then the other one, okay, so the other SEO one is absolutely Google Maps. You have to be on there. It has to be in the right spot. The information has to be correct. Need photos, uh, need to explain what you do, and you need at least five five-star reviews on there. Um, you know, again, that goes without saying. People want to find you; they're looking on Google Maps. So, um, if you're if you're an established business, uh, there's a fair chance you're on Google Maps, even though you haven't added yourself on there. So, it's important that you claim the listing and are managing it on an ongoing basis. So, true, true. Yeah. So that's uh, you know, two things that you know, pretty straightforward. There's no black box. That's you know, that's common sense stuff. Um, probably if I could add a third one is in is Google your business name on a regular basis every couple of weeks or you know once a month. Um, one of the first things we do when we take on a new client, we there's, well, there's two things we do. One is test the contact form and all the contact details in their website to make sure the forms go somewhere. And the other one is we Google their business name to see if they're number one, but also we look at the rest of the search results. Because yeah. uh, like we've just talked about before, often there'll be something in the third, fourth, or fifth spot that might be Yelp or TripAdvisor or some third-party site that takes reviews that is not getting a lot of attention from the business, but it has a handful of bad reviews. Because you know what happens. Typically, you have an upset customer and instead of, they don't just put a bad review on one place like TripAdvisor. They'll go and find everywhere you are online and plaster bad reviews, particularly if they're upset or angry. So, you know, they might find you on Yelp, TripAdvisor, Foursquare, Google, and be giving you bad reviews. So often, like the Yelp listing might have two reviews. One might be five star, and one is one star, and then it will show an average, like you, you know, your average is two point six or something. So it looks really bad in the search results. So that would be the if I get out a third one in would be Google yourself regularly and just be aware, just skim through the search results and make sure it all looks good and there's nothing dodgy going on or nothing that's going to hurt you there. True, true. I regularly search for sexiest man alive just to make sure I'm still number one. And uh, I'm always there, so that, that's good. But you've got to Sweet. check. You've got to check. Okay, email marketing and social media. Isn't email, isn't, isn't email dead? Uh, don't, don't, people don't use don't, email anymore, do they? I use email all day long. I, I use email too much, Ed. I just, it always makes me laugh when people say, oh, you know, email marketing um, yep. doesn't have any place anymore. It doesn't work anymore. It's like, <laughs> seriously, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. All of these email things, marketing. they all work, they all tie, they're all tied off email. All of them, the social media platforms, the websites, yeah, it's yeah, all based around email. To be on there, right? Absolutely, it doesn't function without it. Confirmations mm-hmm. and marketing material getting sent back and forth, and promotions and yeah. So, I think emails are pretty straightforward. We have an episode on that. Email marketing, when done properly, is really good. Um, most basic strategy in this space is stuff is seasonal. Uh, for example, cafes, restaurants, hotels, there's going to be a lot of seasonality to the business. Um, so there's two ways to use that. One is to, when it's high season, pre-book well in advance, like, you know, do some email marketing and make past customers aware that 
Easter is coming up or Christmas is coming up or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, summer holidays are coming up and you can pre-book the place well in advance and that's great for cash flow. So that's one way you can use it. Yep. You can also use it in the reverse. Low season, do discounts and offers, special deals. It's, you know, if you're a place on the beach, you know, a winter getaway mm. and normally you might have low occupancy, low booking rates or whatever, an email blast. Well, I won't say blast because that's kind of a negative word but – um, some email done well to a decent list of a few thousand people, like as you're an established business, um, you know, you could fill up big blocks of time um, with well-crafted discounts, offers, whatever it is. So Too true. I think those are two really easy strategies in this space. Yeah, to they're a no-brainer. Up. They're a no-brainer. What would you rather have? An email list with thousands of people on it that you can promote things at will done properly uh, which, as you said, can fill in all these empty spaces of downtime or you know, seasonal changes, etc., or not have any list to market to at all. I mean, what you know, you've obviously got a lot higher chance if you've got a list of people you can send stuff to. So, yep. it's not even worth discussing anymore. It's like it's seriously, yep. uh, it's like oxygen. You've got to have it. We need yep. it. So, <laughs> email marketing is exactly like oxygen. It is you know, just exactly the same. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think there's so much focus we've talked about before, so much focus on the socials and Facebook and whatever else. And unfortunately, email is the the poor cousin that has always been around, so it doesn't get much love. But, you know, like we we say, email before social, like a good email marketing strategy is five or ten times more effective than a good social media strategy. So, Absolutely, 100%. And I'll fight anyone in the street who wants to argue with me. (laughs) Jesus. Watch out. <laughs> I'm serious, right? I, I know you're serious. I'll take comments. Sounds you, serious. You, you just name the time and place, people, and I'll be there. <laughs> Guns are blazing. Guns All right, blazing. so our, our probably not least favourite subject, but the one that um, I, I think social media is, is a powerful weapon if used correctly, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are on the social media bandwagon not knowing why. And yep. not being able to really demonstrate how it is working for them. They just, I've got to be on social media. I've got to be on social media. You know, yep. but they don't really have any strategy. They don't really have any any proof that what they're doing is bringing in results. So yep. what are your thoughts on social media, Brendan? I think that there are people who are very good at social media, good strategists, and there are many businesses in this space that, if used effectively and leveraged very well, can benefit greatly from social media. Like, for example, bars, cafes, restaurants. With a good social media strategy, the place can be filled up, you know, every night of the week or whatever nights you want to fill. So uh, there are, you know, people who are really good strategists at social media. And I think if if you're in that space, I think it's worth engaging their services and having it done properly because uh, it can work really well. Um, probably the downside today is most of these platforms have algorithms now, just like search engines have, have algorithms. So in order to get enough exposure, you need to either pay or game the system. So again, comes back to it's, it's getting to the point where it's very hard to DIY the socials and do it well unless you have a lot of experience. So that's why I would generally say if you're going to go deep on it, find someone who's a specialist and just like any of the other things like SEO or AdWords, test it for three months or six months. Usually three months is a good test. You should at least have a feeling that it's working. 
test it and see what happens, like most other marketing channels. But I don't the I think the the throwaway lines, oh you have to be on Facebook or you have to be on Instagram can do a lot of damage because those are you know easy one liners to say, but there's a lot of strategy that goes into making these platforms work today. And they can easily backfire, right? You do something stupid on your Facebook business page and that can easily land you in trouble and get you a lot of negative attention. Um, yeah, and it happens every day of the week. So, yeah. um, look, social media platforms like search platforms, they're monetized by advertising and that is really, I mean, the Facebook advertising from what it was five years ago has grown in leaps and bounds and I think they, they made $18 billion last year, something like that, uh, from Facebook advertising. So, you know, they're going to make it harder and harder to get that organic um, marketing happening with social media when they can push their advertising because that's where they make their money. So you need to consider both. You can't just try and do the free stuff. That's great that you can, but you certainly have to consider doing the the paid advertising side on social as well if you want to get the best traction that you can from the platform. Yeah, I think uh, the, the danger is, oh, it's free, so let's do it. Um, I think that can be a very dangerous mentality to you know, just be approaching a tactic or a strategy or a channel just because of the price of it. Um, that I think that's a poor way to make a decision and often I think that's what's driving some of these social strategies. So, As always, Brendan. We don't, we don't, we don't disagree enough. We we need to have more fights recorded live. More controversy. Yeah, you know more what you're con- saying? You want more, con- more controversy in your life? I want more controversy. So I think we've come to the end of our list. It's a long episode, right? That, that was that was about an hour. Um, yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff packed into that episode. People may want to listen to. Uh, we, we may split this one up as well um, in, into into thirty minute chunks. We'll see. Uh, if, you, if you've gotten to this point, you'll have already worked out that it's two episodes. <laughs> but uh, I, I think anyone who's in this industry will certainly uh, get some benefit from what we've just said, even yeah. if they in- implement just a couple of the points we've been talking about, um, that they can get some significant gain on their their web marketing. So thank you, mate. Nothing else to add before we finish up? I think that's, that's plenty. That could be two years' worth of work right there. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> You've you go. got two years' worth of work ahead here. Get started. Get, yeah. get started now because <laughs> it's only going to get harder if you leave yeah, it longer. That's true. that's true. So thanks, buddy. Cool, thanks for your time. I'll catch you next time, As always, we'll catch everyone on the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.